Welcome to the Connected Communication Podcast, the show which explores how much of communication is nature and how much is nurture, sharing speaking secrets along the way. I'm your host, Christine Malani. In this episode, I'm going to share five untypical ways to manage speaking panic. Speaking in public is necessary for daily life, especially if you have a business. Somebody said to me in a recent Facebook comment. They were right. Anyone who communicates on a regular basis with another human being is a speaker. We've all been gifted with a vocal instrument in some shape or form. Yet, glossophobia, or public speaking fear, apparently ranks at number one in the US. That's according to the National Institutes of Mental Health. On top of that, It's more common in younger patients as compared to older and may be more prevalent in females compared to males, says Geoffrey Strawn, an associate professor of psychiatry at Cincinnati University. I find that finding in the research interesting. Younger patients and females are more likely to be afraid of speaking in public than males. I wonder what conversation is being had as to why it's younger patients and females. What's the nurturing in society that creates a sense of fear amongst young people and females, more so than men, of speaking in public? What is the real fear? Given the choice between speaking in public and doing a bungee jump, for instance, which would you choose? I imagine many of you have thought, oh, I think I'd favour the bungee jump. What if I asked you if you'd dive into the sea at five degrees? A bit like the reel I posted on Instagram recently, just before I jumped into the Irish sea at five degrees. Or speak in public. Which would you choose? Again, I'd wager many of you said, oh, do you know what? I think I'd brave the sea. So what then is the fear? Is it a fear of public speaking? Or is it a fear of judgment? The fear of making mistakes? A fear of being demoted, losing your job, or being judged negatively by by peers, by colleagues? Or not being liked? In many cases, women, particularly those in industries that have traditionally been male-dominated, Fear making mistakes in meeting rooms and boardrooms, during presentations and talks, because the men may look down on them as unprofessional or incapable. In some cases, women are openly caused embarrassment to stoke an ego. Now, before you men jump down my throat, I know it's not only women, let's be fair. But this happened to me. I was new into a business development manager role. I was doing quite well. Clearing debt, building good relationships with our agent portfolio quite quickly. We used to run fam trips, familiarisation trips, events where we'd welcome the education agents, let them get to know the school. For over 20 years, my mum organised and ran a two-day fesh, or festival, competitive festival of speech and drama, with over 50 competitions and up on a thousand students. I used to help her. 
learning many lessons along the way about organising big events. Thanks, Mum. And this meant that arranging an event for 10 or 15 agents to show off a school wasn't particularly daunting for me. But I hadn't ordered professionally printed pricing sheets before, so I needed to ask about doing it. In a room of 50 teachers and a few managers, the finance director boomed his reply to my question, which I'd spoken at a peer-to-peer conversational tone. Surely you can handle something as simple as paper, Christine. I was, as they say in Dublin, scarlet. And for once, I'm not going to tell you what that means, listener. Tune in to next week's episode with me and a special guest from Dublin, living in Brazil, whom I met on Instagram. Wait till you hear her speak Portuguese. I actually didn't realise she was Irish at first. What did I do when he shouted this? I smiled a wry smile. A wry smile is ironic. One eyebrow goes up a little bit. It's a, a knowing look that tells the receiver we know what they're doing without us using any words at all. And I swallowed my pride. Yeah, he was trying to knock my confidence. But if I'd lashed out in anger, he'd have won. So I bit my lip and through my smile I said, Yes, I'm sure I can. But I've never ordered GSM paper before. So if you can guide me on selecting the correct width or weight, I think it was, I'd be very grateful. In situations like this, Confidence takes a hit for many people. The punch is hard. How do I reply to this? I don't know what to say. Oh my goodness, I look like such an idiot. It's no different being in front of an audience in a meeting room, on stage, on Zoom, presenting. Most articles that I've seen give advice on managing speaking fear and panic by saying to prepare to practice, to breathe, to visualise, and other effective, but somewhat typical actions. So what are some more untypical techniques that you can use to manage fear? Number one, embrace what I call nervous excitement. Nervousness and excitement, all in one word. Can I get it into the dictionary? Who knows? Fear and excitement fire in the same region of the brain. Both trigger an energetic response in the body. You know that feeling. A jump in your stomach. Your palms start to sweat or you start to shake. You want to run or be swallowed up. But you have to speak. The fear shows in your voice or is visible in your body. What happens when you're potentially going to win a lot of money? Or you're watching a horse just about to come to the end of a race and you've put money on it and it's in the lead. Or you're getting excited about going on a holiday. The feeling is the same. That jolt in the stomach, potentially sweaty palms, wanting to move your body to bounce. All of the blood rushes to the place where the body believes it's needed. It's a natural response. In the sense of fear, when we feel we might want to run away, that flight response you've likely heard of by now, the blood rushes to our legs 
pumping us, allowing us to be able to escape. This goes way back to when we needed to escape the now very famous tiger in the bushes. In the freeze response, our heart rate drops, our breathing is restricted, we might hold on to our breath. Why? So the tiger's keen sense of hearing can't pick up our rhythm. But there's no tiger here anymore, for most of us. The world has done a great job of convincing us our audiences are tigers. And there are tigers in some, especially nowadays as people can hide behind keyboards, find prey, stalk and pounce with nasty faceless commentary that they'd likely never say publicly. But at work, for the most part, your managers and executives want you to do well. They hired you for a reason. Nonetheless, panic does hit. And it hits in different ways, especially as we tackle new engagements, new audiences, new countries. Client said to me today, you know, when we move from one country to another, and we haven't worked in English before, it's not easy. We have to command the language. We know inside that we have the capacity to do the job, but we have to take that capacity from our language and put it into English. It's really frustrating. It's up to us then to choose how we experience the fear. When you embrace the nerve excitement, First, acknowledge the feeling. What am I feeling here? Oh yeah, it's fear. Second, check in with yourself. Ask yourself what you're really afraid of. Third, reconstruct the reality. Question it. And fourth, determine how to proceed. If it's a fear of judgment, of making mistakes, and you haven't done the talk yet or given the presentation, Try to preempt questions and challenges so you're ready to face them head on. Preemptive communication is one of the key things I work on with clients, on top of confidence, of course, and reframing fear. Number two, laugh at yourself. We've all heard the old adage, laughter is the best medicine. Oh, now that I say adage, I'm wondering if it should be adage. It's probably from French. Any French listeners out there, feel free to connect, to correct me. We've all heard it. Laughter is the best medicine. That's true. When fear hits, laughter can disarm it by releasing endorphins, reducing stress hormones, balancing the heart rate and blood pressure, and aiding muscle relaxation. Have you ever noticed that when you've been really stressed or really uptight and you suddenly laughed at something, you felt lighter? When I work too much or put too much pressure on myself to do more than I maybe need to do in a day, I'll sit down, make my dinner. Well, actually, no, of course, I won't sit down and make my dinner. I'll make my dinner (laughs) and then I sit down. I put on Sarah Millican, a British comedian, and I laugh. She cracks me up. She breaks my sides laughing. She makes me laugh a lot. And then I'm not stressed anymore. Once we laugh, we're better able to reconstruct reality and enjoy sharing our knowledge when we speak. Number three, distance yourself from the fear. 
Creating distance from fear, stress and negative self-talk allows you to detach and better manage supercharged emotional moments. Speak to yourself in the third person or consider events from the perspective of another. Ask yourself, what would I advise my best friend right now? Listen to that advice. This also works when we're considering bias, which many people don't do, but are beginning to. A topic for a future episode, if listeners are interested. Number four, tighten it up and rock it out. Like laughter, relaxation exercises help redirect our thinking and blood flow. Allow me to take you through an exercise now. It's my favourite. I do it with clients. Admittedly, it takes them a few times to loosen up and actually allow themselves to do it. But once they do, they love it. I have a video of me doing it and landing on a couch. Send me a message if you'd like to watch it. So if you're doing the dishes or you're doing something in the house right now and you can, just stop for a sec. If you've got a couch or a bed, put yourself in front of it. It's much more fun. When we get to the relaxed part, drop onto the couch or the bed. Now, be careful. Quick disclaimer here, lads and lassies, ladies, gents and genderless. If you are not used to tightening up your body, go easy. I don't want you to get a cramp and come complaining to me that you've hurt yourself. And obviously, don't do it if you're driving. We start at the toes. Tighten up your toes inside your shoes. Or if you don't have any shoes on, tighten up your toes. Scrunch them up, tightening the heels of your feet. Begin to feel your ankles tightening. Tighten up the calves, moving all the way up your legs to your knees and then start to tighten your thighs. Allow those thighs to tighten, bringing it up to the buttocks. Tightening up your glutes, your buttocks and now into your hips and you should start to feel uncomfortable. You'll hear my voice change actually as we do this. Tighten up your lower abdomen your stomach and around those transverse abdominals. Tighten up your ribs and now tighten into your chest, beginning to tighten your shoulders. Begin to scrunch them up towards your face. You should be feeling uncomfortable with my voice as well. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to loosen it a bit. So now you'll start to hear my voice change more. Tighten up your fingers into fists. Tighten your arms to the wrists. Bring your shoulders right up towards your ears. Forearms tightening up, right up into your face. At this point now, you should be feeling really, really tight, really uncomfortable and laughing a little bit at my voice, which might make you relax. And then when you're ready, release. I love that exercise. I've been doing it since I was a child. It's better to do it with you. (laughs) Hopefully now you're not thinking this one's nuts. Ah, well, show me normal and tell me I'm mad. When you release at the end of that exercise, you should feel incredible freedom. Freedom from all the energy that you've been holding in your body. Doing this also helps manage the shakes, evening out the blood flow to the limbs. If you hold the tightness in your buttocks, it can help you control the shakes. You'll actually physically not be able to shake. There's a guy called Robin Kermode of the Art of Communication podcast who mentions this in one of his YouTube videos. I like some of his content. Finally, five, four, three, two, 
one. Not the Mel Robbins 54321. I've got an experience on that which I won't share now. And I've seen it used by many clever marketeers to get people to spend money they don't have in the moment. But we'll come back to it another time. This 54321 exercise I have to attribute to my brain-based conversation skills coach and trainer in the Neuroleadership Institute, Brett Freeman. The exercise takes the brain out of the narrative network and into the direct experience network. If you're not sure what I mean here, let me simplify quickly. Most of the day and most of the time, there's a narrative running in the brain. That constant voice telling us we need to worry about things that haven't happened yet. Things we're not good at. Things we're good at. Things we need to do. Things we haven't done. Actions we haven't taken. Things we did in the past that that we don't want to ever repeat. Things we must do in the future that relate to the past. I'm sorry if I stressed your brain out there in the way that I explained that. But the goal is for you to understand what I mean about the narrative network. We don't tend to live in direct experience. Sure, um, no doubt some of you out there do. Some of you might be thinking now, oh here, she's going into the Eckhart Tolle's power of now. Maybe a little bit. I haven't read the book, to be honest, but I guess the premise. And my dad's a now person. I get a lot of, not to sound all ego-fueled or anything, a lot of my wisdom from my dad. When I'd go to his house growing up, we'd sit a lot and he'd share stories with little nuggets of learned wisdom woven into them to help keep my head straight. He recently retired after over 30 years working as the manager of Navin Shopping Centre, where he gave me my first job at, let's just say, a young enough age. It wasn't unheard of then. And a safety net. I spent most of my holidays and time off school with him as I was growing up. In an LMFM radio interview, when he was retiring, he was asked a question about how he was feeling about his future now that he wasn't going to be working anymore. He said, I try to live my life in the moment. Maybe this time next week when I've finished, I won't be happy. And I'll be worried because I want to do something with myself. For right now, in this very moment, I feel fine. Bringing ourselves into the direct experience network switches off the narrative for a while. It stops the chatter and focuses us in on the moment. It doesn't have to take more than a minute and you can do it anywhere. I've done this with any number of clients. It's really amazing to see them at the end of it. They just look at me. Their eyes go wide. It's all gone. Are you ready? Let's try it before we finish today. Like before, not while you're driving, please. You could pull over, actually. Take a minute for yourself. What five things can you see around you? What four things can you hear? What three things can you smell? What two things can you touch? If you close your eyes 
and look inside, what one thing can you feel? And there you have it. A very quick shift out of the default narrative network into a moment of direct experience where you're only paying attention to that which is around you. Do this at your desk in between meetings. Do it before a big presentation, before an interview. Before you go in the door in the evening to de-stress out of work and move yourself into family cat or couch mode. It only takes a moment. To summarise for today. Five untypical ways to manage speaking panic. Embrace nervous excitement. You can choose the mindset you have about fear. Laugh with yourself. Distance yourself from the fear. Tighten it up and rock it out. When all else fails, gift yourself with a moment of direct experience. Five, four, three, two, one. Your quest or challenge this week, it's not a challenge, let's call it a quest, is to gift somebody either with one of these pieces of advice if you find they're panicking before speaking or share the episode with them. As always, please follow, rate or review if you've enjoyed it. Hit the bell so you know when the next episode goes live. Thanks for listening. Banati Agus Boyakas. Thank you.